Right now, you're listening to the Azeem Digital Asks podcast, the podcast where I, Azeem, talk to some of the top marketers in the industry, find out everything about them, how they got to where they are today, and more importantly, sharing some really useful marketing tips that will help everybody listening to this become better marketers. Stay tuned for another great episode. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Azeem Digital Asks podcast. Really excited for my guest today. And I really want to find out if he definitely did wake up at seven o'clock this morning. He's a data and insights manager at Rise at Seven, Thierry Guttaguru. Thierry, welcome to the show. I love it, man. Do you know what? Uh, the way you pronounce my surname, that is top tier. That is one of the best I've heard. Yes. Love that. Love that. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad, you know. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we're happy. We're healthy. We're moving. That's all that kind of counts at the moment, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Couldn't put it any better than that. And uh, by all means, feel free to share what you are drinking right now. Yeah, so um, in classic lockdown fashion, um, I've got myself a little beer straight after work, so I'm having a nice little San Miguel, nice and cold, um, sat back, relaxing. Um, I can't say I'm in any sort of office attire or dress really well, if I'm honest with you, so thank the Lord that this is an audio first. Uh, <laughs> <content>. <laughs> top stuff, top stuff. Right, We uh, well, we I am going to grill you all about data because you are the man for me when it comes to that and I'm very glad that you're my guest today but I have two two quick icebreakers for you so the first one is I want an answer straight away okay what time did you wake up this morning 6 a.m oh okay I'll let you off <laughs> and then the second one is uh if you were a wrestler what would your entrance theme song be oh my god it has to be DMX, X gone, give it to you. Honestly, that song, there is nothing you cannot achieve in life to that song. It is the <laughs> biggest hype. Even your enemies will clap you in. Like, it's one of those ones. <laughs> absolute vibe. <laughs> I've got visions of you sitting at your desk now just listening to that song. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, yeah. So it, what's an interesting thing is a lot of my colleagues as well have always been like, this guy's super weird. Um, is when I've got like loads of Excel spreadsheets open, which I usually do, and I'm kind of like really deep into a, an analysis, I work to the pace of music that I listen to. So therefore, I listen to like hardcore rap, like, you know, your old school M&Ms, your DMXs and things like that, because I work to that pace. How bizarre. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Different. Different. I, I do like the same sort of music, but never in spreadsheets. No chance. Oh, I Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, I'm obsessed. It's so funny because at the time, you know, on, on the external, I look quite, you know, I'm like stood still and there's nothing. I, I barely flinch. Um, and then inside my head, it's a full-blown rave. Um, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> right, last one before we learn a little bit more about you. Again, I've not prepared you for this one. So your answer will dictate how the rest of this interview goes. And there is a correct answer. Ooh. Pick one, Jay-Z or Nas. Jay-Z. Oh, Oh. Correct answer. Correct answer. Oh, well done. That was well done. honestly, I'm sweating. Sweating. <laughs> that, that was you may as well just end the podcast there, to be honest with you. That is, that is yeah, thanks for coming on. It's been great. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Take a drink and go home. <laughs> right, we're digressing. Listen, for anybody who basically lives under a rock and doesn't know who you are, do you want to just give a little introduction to yourself? 
Yeah, sweet. So, um, as mentioned, my name is Thierry Gutagure. I am the Data and Insights Manager of uh, the greatest agency on earth, um, Rise at Seven. And as I say, if you've been under a rock, um, as I say, we are a search-first creative agency. But in terms of like who I am, um, I look after our kind of audience insight, research, data analysis over at Rise at Seven. So making sure that everything that we do, you know, when people say that they're data-led, I make sure that we're actually data-led um, and it's something that we're super proud of um, and we kind of um, say with our chest. Um, but yeah, that is in terms of like what I do at work, in terms of who I actually am as a person. Um, I'm a northern lad. Um, I love to dance. I used to actually, fun fact, I used to compete uh, nationally in dance competitions, which is quite a fun one for you there. Exclusive. Um, yeah, but aside from that, I'm a super <laughs> motivated, young, you know, uh, hungry black man. Yeah, love that. Ten out of ten. I was gonna say you're definitely very, very high up on the list of people that I want to meet after lockdown. But I'm definitely gonna make sure there's no dancing involved from my apartment. <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> don't worry. By the time you know, by the time we're out, I feel like my hips have seized up anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll all be safe from my moves. Let's just say that. <laughs> so before I sort of pick your brains about everything sort of data related. I wanted to ask you, so look, you've had such an interesting uh, journey into your career now, which I think not every listener may not know about. So mm. I've got two questions, but I'll just kind of wrap them into one. So the first one is, you know, in terms of your career now in data, what motivated you to start a career in data? I'd love to hear more. And I think the listeners would love to hear more <laughs> about your journey to where you are now. And secondly, if you could start all over again, go right back to the beginning of your career, but armed with all the knowledge that you've got, what advice do you think that you'd give to yourself? Oh, this is juicy. So um, in terms of what like motivated me to get into this career, um, God's honest truth, I think with a lot of, especially from like search perspectives, a lot of people kind of stumble into data, right? Um, and I guess the interesting question from that is almost what kept you there. But my background and you know university and all that kind of stuff i went to uni and i did biological sciences um focusing on immunology and genetics so i was completely uh, the other side of the spectrum um from where i am kind of a digital space um and then i quickly kind of learned that i'm a very much an extrovert i'm somebody who you know wants to be around people and to also understand people not just from a biological perspective but from a psychological perspective right so i then uh, picked up a master's um i then wanted to do a master's in marketing over at huddersfield uni um and from there that kind of solidified it for me it said you know i think the analytical mindset I've picked up from biological sciences mixed with some of that, you know, social psychology and consumer uh, kind of economics type stuff. I was like, you know what, data is um, uh, a thing I'd love to pursue. And I guess what kept me here is that I think traditionally there's a lot of um, preconceptions when it comes to data. You know, every time I turn yeah. to a call or I am, you know, I go to a meeting and things like that. And they're just kind of like, oh, you're, you're the data guy, the guy that we can't shut up. Um, where, you know, <laughs> the preconceived notion is that I sit in the corner with, you know, my black hoodie on and I just uh, tap away on some keys and loads of Excel spreadsheets. But I really enjoyed bringing some life, energy, creativity to the world of data, you know. Um, I'm not saying I am the smartest, you know, um, 
kind of data person out there, whatever realm of data that you work in. But I know for a fact no one will ever kind of outsell me or out kind of maneuver me from a passion perspective and a motivation. Um, I just love being around people. I love finding answers. I'm a logic based person. Um, you know, if there's something that I need to kind of figure out, I will kind of go ahead and um, delve into that rabbit hole. Um, and that's, I guess that's what's kept me here, you know, um, especially the freedom it gives from a data perspective. We live in an era where it's everything's data first, data first, data first. So, you know, we have a novel opportunity right now to kind of shape what our industry is going to look like um, and the work that our kind of agencies and companies that we work out kind of produces. So, yeah, it's really exciting, in my opinion. Yeah. Love that question more on content gold already. Mm-hmm. Can end the interview right now. Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Just saying that second part of that question. Then you know, if I was to go back and what would I sell? Tell um, little old Thierry, um, and I think what I would say is work experience. Now, I think that when I was at university or even outside of university, and you're kind of um, trying to find your feet, I think we tried to. You know, I think we expected university to tell us a lot more about our future career paths than it was ever going to. And we expected it to almost, you know, you land at 21 and your university degree gives you a job. Right. But mm-hmm. we were how many millions of people kind of who fell off that um, kind of conveyor belt um, who came out of university. And so we're interestingly we went to university to differentiate ourselves but we came out as you know a group of individuals who are very well educated for sure but we're all kind of on the same level right so then the thing that distinguished people was work experience and that's something I just didn't I didn't get um, and it wasn't something that was uh, drummed into me so a piece of advice for anybody listening kind of starting out the career literally just dm whoever you love and you'd be surprised at how welcoming um, open-armed people are to talking to you and things like that. Like even from a perspective of my career right now, when there's a bit of data I, I can't get or I know someone else has, I won't just sit on my hands and go, oh, well, they have it. And I, no, I will literally DM the CEO of any company and ask them for their data. And they are super receptive. You know, if they're telling you to go away, that's fine. And no is better than a failed project. Um, so yeah, work experience and just, you know, DM people. Um, they're not that, they're not that bad. Um, and then learn everything. I think that at university or even between um, there and now, um, there's just so many free resources. Like you can literally become anyone on earth just based on YouTube. You could you could learn rocket science on YouTube. There's nothing that isn't on there. And I think I just mm. take advantage of it at the time, like that type of free content. Like even though some of the stuff that you push out, Azim, do you know what I mean? Like it's all out there and free content. Like it's nuts. Mm. Well, it's university, we paid thousands. And God's honest truth, I could learn more in a year of YouTube. Yeah, definitely. I think you make a very interesting point there, which made me think of a, a question that I've definitely not prepared you for. But right now, given the state of everything let's say if you met somebody who was sort of young and hungry wanted to get into this career what would you say to them about university would you advise they go or would you advise they just get straight into it um i'd advise it probably do you know what it'd probably be a hybrid of the two because at heart i've come from a very academic background from my even for my family and things like that and i do totally believe that mm. You know, if you go to university and you pick the right course, you can come out with some absolute gold. It's just that depending on your industry, you need to understand whether a degree is necessary or uh, nice to have. Right. So there are some 
fields where I'd say, you know what, if you're going to go with kind of, whether it's like machine learning or computer science, where something where it's like, you know, it's going to take quite a bit of rigorous uh, a couple of years and it needs to be something where somebody holds you accountable and drives you through and, you know, you might need to pick up some theory or whatever that may be, you know, something um, that is, as you say, yeah, someone to keep you honest and to drive you through. I'd say, yeah, go to university for that aspect. But I, knowing what I know now, would I have gone to university just for the academic portion? Probably not. I would, yeah. I think I would have been able to pick up those skills um, outside of uh, my course. And if anything, I think I came back with a wealth of just experience as a human being. Um, I think I developed, at university, I developed my love for individuals and love for people and understanding what makes us tick. Um, and that is what I got from university more so than my degree. Um, and, you know, you can argue your analytical sense, you could have, you know, you picked up from your degree, but God's honest truth, I just know for a fact I'm a motivated enough individual to have picked that up um, outside of that. Yeah, brilliant answer. Thanks very much for that. Leads me very nicely to my next question. So when you see that people want to work in this field of data analysis, for example, what's the biggest mistake that you've seen people make? So is it kind of like, are you thinking entering that field? Like yeah, thing? yeah. I think it's that point I touched on previously, you know, entering that field is um, not asking for help. I feel like for some reason we live in a society where you know, this whole self-struggle and hustle porn type lifestyle um, means that we don't ask for help and there's a really high barrier to entry. Because the reason I say that is when I was entering this kind of analytical side data style thing, like it's a massive umbrella. It is a minefield. Like even saying data is actually a bit rude of me because there is just so many facets and avenues and, you know, different disciplines mm -hmm. towards data. And if you're going in there and you've not really asked for help in a sense of like DMing somebody who is in a role that is very similar to what something that you'd like to go into to ask them, you know, what is your day to day, for example, I think that is one of the biggest mistakes people make, you know, as an entry, because what then happens is you enter and you think, oh, all data is like this. So therefore I'm not sticking around. It's not a thing for me. Whereas, you know, trying to understand what people do on a day-to-day -day basis from the horse's mouth can tell you 10 times more um, than sitting in a role for two years that you really hate, quite simply. Um, and don't get me wrong, I was very fortunate in how I entered it. Um, I joined Epiphany. Um, so for anybody who knows uh, Epiphany, you know, it was an absolutely incredible agency. Um, and the people there were awesome. And so the I managed, I, well, in fact, I entered it as a data journalist, which is an interesting title, but uh, my role there was to exactly that, tell stories with, with numbers. Um, and so, yeah, I had a quite a fortunate entry into it, but I'd always say the biggest mistake is just not asking, just ask. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm definitely going to pick your brains around the topic of stories later on. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about failure then. So I'll give you an option. Can you tell me about the biggest failure that you've made or option B is the biggest failure that you've seen or experienced. Oh God, this is <laughs> like, do I drop myself in it or do I drop someone else in it? <laughs> you could do both. <laughs> no, do you know, um, biggest failure I've seen. Um, I think I'm going to go generic with this in the sense of, you know, my biggest failure in, I think maybe even one of my greatest flaws up until a couple of year, a couple of months ago, realistically, um, which is a, a failure I think I've carried over the last couple of years is um, I was a yes man. Um, and what I mean by being a yes man is um, we, for those that work in agencies or even, you know, small teams or whatever that may be, 
um, people come to, like, especially from a data perspective, a lot of it is quite, you know, somebody needs something from you as opposed to you have this output and you are trying to find people to give it to. Um, so people kind of come to you needing an analysis or needing data or whatever that may be. And so then you develop this kind of complex where you are constantly, you know, um, saying yes and saying, oh yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. And then you develop a, a thing where, you know, I was up until like 11 PM working a couple of years ago, like on a daily basis. And that's just because I couldn't say no. And I didn't really understand the power of saying no. Now, by being a yes man, in my head, I was pleasing those people who were giving me that work. But actually, what I was doing is delaying projects because I say yes to so much, I wouldn't sleep, I won't finish this project, it would slip and things would you know, fall behind. And so then campaigns would be weeks um, overdue or a reactive campaign won't go live because I've been sat on the data for so long because I've got so much to do. And that yes man mentality interestingly i started out trying to make it you know to get people to like me and instead actually people would hate me because people won't give projects to me and so then they would do it themselves and so when you've given data to somebody who isn't you know data isn't their thing and they're not very proficient in it then there's a failure within it and so when it comes back then it's still on you because you know that's the thing that you looked after and up until I say I, I kind of joined rise that was very much one of my greatest failures um i was so much of a yes man and it's when I say no and the power of saying no, I don't mean, you know, every time somebody comes to you, you say no. It's just knowing how much your plate can carry. It's knowing that this is the circumference of my plate and anything that is anything that's kind of spills over, I just can't do it. And people are super receptive to people saying no and I can't do more because they're kind of like, oh, I totally understand. Amazing. So when can you fit it in? And they will flex to your um to your requirements so yeah just that's probably a generic failure for me up until um i kind of sat down and i was like whoa if i continue at this pace i I just won't be able to sustain this type of lifestyle yeah i think that's a a brilliant answer and at the very least it makes you more human i think um if you're Mm. just constantly saying yes to everything you can appear like like you said basically superhuman will do anything and then in the event something unexpected happens and you need to just drop something or something goes wrong it can be magnified up to 10 times love that that's a brilliant answer yeah definitely um i was thinking i've got failure for other people do you know what i do actually (laughs) Um, so failing almost like a data failing just so that we keep it from them rather than how tragic my life is (laughs) we could keep it on the day um so yeah a failing that i see actually is the assumption of numerical literacy right so what i mean by that is we, because we live in a world now of um, data at our fingertips and um, data is king and data, 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 people assume that more more equals more insight, right? So they just pile loads of data in and they make things super complex and they assume numerical literacy in the sense of if I told my, you know, if, if you told somebody there's a 28% chance of it raining on Saturday, you know, there's a couple of ways you could presume that. Is it a 28% chance of 28% of that area in Saturday or 28% of the rain or 28% of the time, or, you know, there's a lot of things because we're numerically literate, we assume that other people are. And mm. so when people produce these reports where, you know, whether it's like an audit or whatever it may be, and you send over reams of reports to people, I'm like, do you genuinely think everything that you've just sent over there makes sense and is actionable? Um, and just because there's lots of data, it does not mean that that is a that's the insight you needed to draw from it. Um, and it's a mistake I made quite early on as well. You know, I'd produced like sixty-seven slide 
um, an analysis of data and I'm like, oh my God, I'm super proud of it. And, um, you know, the client will come back and go, yeah, can we just um, have slide 23? That's it. And I'm like, that's it. I've done 67 slides. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and and that was that was my issue. I was assuming a lot of, um, you know, that everything had insight and it was actionable and it's what the, the client cared about, but it wasn't, it wasn't at all. And so the more, you know, more is not better in any way, shape or form. And don't assume people know what you mean just because you've been sat in the data for two weeks um, and haven't took your head out of it. It doesn't mean that, you know, the person that you're going to be delivering it to has that much of an understanding of it as well. So be kind of clear and concise and fit it on a post-it note. Otherwise it ain't worth it. Yeah, completely agree. That's really valuable insight. Thank you very much for Mm -hmm. sharing it. I was definitely in the same boat when I first started. I used to think a mega long email report or a super Mm -hmm. long word document I'd really achieve something and then you learn by doing basically and everything you've just said 10 out of 10 Mm -hmm. um feel free to literally hit rewind and press play on that again because that is gold you've led me very nicely to ask you my next question then so and I'm quite keen to to hear what you have to say about this and hopefully you've been in this situation what do you think about people who say I've got a theory can you bend this data to prove the theory that I've got or can you sort of twist it to prove the theory rather than asking you for your expertise about what the data says somebody yeah. comes to you with a theory and asks you to prove it with the data what do you say to that <laughs> yeah so um I guess it's an interesting one as well because I know for a fact this has happened to possibly everybody that's listening um to some extent of um shape so whether you are putting together data for a campaign or an audit a bit of analysis or you know even proving your own strategy as well um i think that i god's honest truth i act deaf deaf to it right so in the sense of i don't i just don't hear it because my greatest fear with a lot of these things as well is as well as obviously i have to put my name to this type of work right is Somebody comes back and says, oh, uh, by the way, I've just been looking at those numbers and X, Y, and Z. And I'm usually that guy. I am that guy who will go through those T's and C's and understand this is based on an audience sample of X, Y, and Z, or, you know, it's been analyzed between these two days, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, and I will find it. Now, imagine then that having your name against it and you have to justify that kind of thing and the, the credibility well it removes all credibility and the kind of trust between you the client your teammates and things like that I just I just don't hear it I don't I don't mind doing a piece of analysis and my data doesn't fit or doesn't say it doesn't have the insight of the hypothesis I found that's fine go back to the drawing board or re-angle or do whatever it may be nine times out of ten the irony is you know it actually comes out with a better story than sometimes that you actually uh, first went into it uh, with so yeah, I've heard it a thousand times, but it will never have my name beside it um, in terms of like uh, bending it to your will. And also, you know, I've, I've, I've seen tweets and all kinds of stuff as well about um, the kind of an- data and analysis can be bent to, you know, to be in favor of the individual's um, kind of own bias as well. And I'm very aware that that is a thing. And if, you know, if my analysis seems to have that kind of bias, which can naturally happen without you actually even realizing half the time, which is why a lot of our work is peer reviewed and signed off by, you know, like uh, this peer sign off process to make sure that your methodology is correct and it kind of goes through the right channels and stuff. Um, then yeah, you're pretty much buggered, but I just, I just don't really see, I feel like it's more effort to bend the data than just do it. 
who's <laughs> got the time to be bending all this stuff? This is absolutely mine. Just, just crack on. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. Well, I do get it. You know, sometimes, you know, he spent a, the client spent a couple of grand on a piece of research and it doesn't come out with what they want to hear. But you know what it is that that's just life. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to hear it. But it's it's a learning curve, nevertheless. Um. But yeah, I do get. I do get it. But it's not on my watch. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And I think you've touched on it brilliantly there about bias. If you're starting anything like this with some sort of bias towards a particular hypothesis, then you're starting off on the wrong foot, definitely. And you're not you're not going to be objective. Leads me very nicely then. Uh, I've got a couple more for you. So in terms of the work that you're doing or the work that you've done in the past, is there one that always sticks out as something that you would say, you know what, that's that's my favourite piece of work that I've ever done? Do you know what's interesting? I'm going to say no um, in terms of uh, there isn't... So I lo- of all the bits that I've done, right, it's almost like, especially at Rise, it's almost like we outdo ourselves every couple of months, right? So there's some absolutely creative, like, inspirational pieces that are coming out and you're just thinking, what? And this thing is, like, banged out by a creative team in, like, an hour, and I'm thinking, do you know what? I tip my hat. Um, and some of the analysis type bits, you know, whether it's um, from a PR perspective or um, even some forecasting bits I've been looking, because I was looking at like trying to forecast brand health, for example, um, it's some really kind of innovative stuff that didn't end up panning out. I think one of the things that I really am super excited and very proud of is some of the stuff that we're building from an audience insight perspective, right? So we've gone back to the drawing board because I think from a, we've got, as I say, we are in a position where, Going forward, data privacy from a um, from a customer perspective is going it's going to be you know few and far between. The lockdown has already commenced on a lot of audience type data, right? Um, and so then comes how do we leverage that data that we can get hold of, whether it be primary or secondary data, right? So how do we leverage that to understand things like buyer personas and also use those buyer personas to actually produce actionable insight um, that we can physically use and. We've put together a bit of a methodology I've been working on with um, with Lydia, Stacy, and Luke um, over at Rise. And honestly, it's incredible. Absolutely amazing. Some of the work that we've done there where we're kind of validating personas based on search, based on um, audience research, and um, kind of uh, analytics, essentially. Honestly, mind-blowing. That is the thing that I'm going to be proud of. And when that kind of comes out, um, I'll share, I'll share it with you guys because you know we're very open with this kind of stuff. Um, more than I'll share that results, so I'll, I'll share it with you. But it's honestly, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. I was hoping for an exclusive there, so now because I don't have one. Um... <laughs> what kind of exclusive you want, Azim? Man, putting pressure on. Right. What can I get you? <laughs> officially you think i have one question left for you and actually i've got two and neither of which i've prepared you for which i'm really looking forward to this so recently you put out a competition where you said you know tell me what your parents friends family think you do for a living let me ask you what do your parents friends or family think that you do for a living um i mean trying to explain to them is is an interesting one my parents to begin with thought i was like an it manager um, so anything that broke that was electronic in the house was like, don't worry, Tiara, <laughs> don't worry about it. Tiara, come around and fix it. Um, then my mum then thought I built websites um, and sold them to Google. I was like, oh my God. I mean, look, if you want to get into this business and you want to back it, you know, I'm, I'm down for that. I think, uh, I think we, could build, we could build some really cool sites together. 
Um, but yeah, so like that competition really, the reason I kind of did it that way um, was I just wanted to highlight the complexities and how far reaching a lot of our work is, right? So a lot of us work in the digital sphere, you know, our work touches on a lot of people and a lot of teams and a lot of uh, things. And so the recent conversations I've seen on Twitter is, you know, this channel's better than this channel, this channel's better than this channel, I'm better than you, this department's better than, no. And so that competition was just to show just even asking our own family members and friends about what we do and the the wide ranging answers that kind of came out just goes to show how much impact our jobs have on you know a far wider community than we can even perceive and you know all all of the matter at one given you know every all of them are successful at any given time you know when we say this is more important than this it's, it's like come on get off your high horse um we're all kind of going in the same direction and it was just a really nice thing for people to get engaged with. And so, uh, you know, we got some really cool answers. Um, apart from Ryan, whose uh, parents thought he was a drug dealer, I was like, look, I'm not getting into that industry. He can keep that one, <laughs> he can keep that one to himself. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a cool competition, man. Yeah, definitely. I'm gutted that I missed out on that, but we can talk privately about free swag. I got you. Uh, for all the listeners, you didn't hear a single thing. <laughs> And then uh, last unprepared one. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that around Christmas, so the time of your Christmas party, that you won the award for being the person that encompasses everything about Rise. (laughs) Yeah. So how does Thierry encompass everything about Rise at seven? Oh, God. Um, Okay, here we go. Right, so I think that... I am uh, super personable in that I don't overcomplicate things. I speak, you know, in in plain terms. I'm not somebody who's like speaks in jargon just for the sake of it. Um, I'm really welcoming. And what I mean by that is I just love people. I love being around people. I think the best thing on this planet is just each other. I really wholeheartedly do. And even the way, you know, I've talked to people on Twitter or LinkedIn or things like that, like I just love people. Um, passionate as well um so you know if i want to get involved in something i'll I'll go in kind of two foot two feet first there's no messing about i don't really i don't really kind of hold myself back um i'm very much um jump all in um open and honest as i said that earlier there's there's not many things that you can ask me um and i wouldn't tell you because what have i got to hide and if there is even two people on this planet that kind of share that same experience then um i then i've done my job for the day um and then yeah welcoming and then there is oh the best one a little bit a sprinkle of arrogance um and confidence i think mixed in together really is lovely in the sense of you know i truly believe in myself and um i don't mind falling over and making mistakes and if someone tells me that i'm wrong that's fine i still believe in myself it doesn't really knock uh how i what i think of myself and i just continually um pump that kind of self-belief and I, I never say anything to myself that I wouldn't say to my friends do you know what I mean I really I, I feel like I treat myself with a lot of respect when it comes to that from a mental health perspective so yeah I think that that's what encompasses rise um, yeah definitely brilliant I couldn't agree with you more mate genuinely I could talk to you for hours but I need to make sure that you uh, get enough sleep if you're waking up at six o'clock so <laughs> the last one from, <laughs> the last one from me is um you know, this has been really interesting. Thanks very much for sharing your time. If there are a few things that you wanted people to take away from this episode, let's just say a couple of takeaways. What would you want people to really take away from listening to this with you? 
I really want to kind of drum in, and I think I'll be doing it for the for the rest of this year, is that data can be creative. Um, you know, you're not pigeonholed into this thing of, you know, you're a person who does an analysis or you do this or you're stuck in an audit or you're doing this hypothesis or whatever. You can be super creative with data. So whether that be data visualizations, tearing stories with data, you know, um, even tracking your own behaviors and doing all that kind of stuff. Like data is one of the most, you know, it's, it, it can, it can paint an incredible image that no one else has seen and no one else had ever thought of. So don't ever think that, you know, you're just punching in numbers or whatever that may be, you know, add, add a little level of creativity um, with the numbers and you'll be, you'll be shocked. And, you know, if you want a little bit more into what that actually means and what that physically looks like, then just DM me, grab me on Twitter at Thierry Allen. Um, and we'll have a quick cheeky little conversation about it. Um, and it's something that I'm really, really, really passionate about. And I think, yeah, this this year more than most, data is just, it's the way to go forward when telling any narrative, in my opinion. That is brilliant. Thierry, thank you for being a fantastic guest. I know you mentioned it there, but if somebody wanted to find out more about you, get in touch or connect with you via the socials, yeah. what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, just grab me on Twitter, uh, Thierry Allen. Um, it's probably the easiest one to spell as well. <laughs> uh, but if you uh, are feeling brave, grab me on um, Instagram and on LinkedIn at Thierry Gutagure. Um, I also have a podcast as well. Oh, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> and it just talks about, you know, um, the black experience. I talk about, you know, growing up as a young black man and the kind of things that we kind of go through. And it's really quite cool. It's quite funny. Uh, we've got a new one coming out soon uh, around me mental health and stuff. So, yeah, get involved, man. And uh, like, share and subscribe this one because it is awesome. And he's doing amazing things. What a hero. Thank you very much. I'll be sure to add a link into the episode notes for your socials and also that podcast and it was only fair for me to say listen you have to check out Thierry's podcast it is absolutely brilliant um I strongly recommend uh not having any sort of liquid or drink nearby because it's very likely you're going to knock it over from laughing so much <laughs> God, <laughs> belly laughs, laughs. <laughs> Thierry, thanks for being a brilliant guest. As always, I let my guests have the last word on the show. So open forum, within reason. Uh, you've got 30 seconds to say whatever you want, and this is the end of the episode. So thank you very much. Oh, incredible. Uh, you can be whoever you want to be. Don't let anybody stop you. And if in doubt, think, what would Thierry do? So that was another great episode in the bag. I'm really enjoying hearing from some brilliant people in this industry. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me on Spotify. Please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you are using. Tell a friend to tell a friend and hopefully see you for the next episode.